Hey, can you guys hear me? We sure can. Awesome, awesome. And uh, the video coming as well. Oh, let me open it up on my end. Hey, hey guys, uh, great to meet you all. Um, I am, my name is Mike Summers. I work at Johnson & Johnson. Uh, I lead a, a startup accelerator focused on kind of innovative marketing capabilities for us um, as my day job. And then as my night job at J&J, lead um, a, a ton of our diversity and inclusion work across um, recruiting and retention and, and, and kind of our, our marketing creative. And I'll walk you through a little bit of that. But um, today, I, I'm typically in New York. Today, I am calling you from my childhood bedroom in Jackson, Mississippi. Um, so, so welcome. I, I never realized how much Michael Jordan paraphernalia I had growing up, but but that that has become more and more relevant uh, this year. I wanted to really, really have just kind of an open dialogue with you guys today. Um, so, I'm, I'm going to share a few slides, but um, I really wanted to kick it off, and I wanted to invite two of my brothers, um, Jeff and Stu, from my Marketing Misfits podcast. Um, it's on here to just kind of have an open dialogue around a few things. Um, we'll talk a little bit around. Um, I'll, I'll open up by sharing kind of what our structure is for DNI and how our approach is at Johnson and Johnson Consumer Health, um, as well as uh, just kind of an open letter that I wrote to some of my colleagues when this conversation um, really heightened post uh, George Floyd's murder uh, about 30, 31 days ago. Um, and I'll share that open letter that I that I shared out. Um, which I think is just kind of a good baseline on um, interacting with some of your black colleagues. And then we'll talk a little bit about kind of marketing execution um, post uh, th this conversation that we've had over the last month or so. Um, but we will actually record this as well um, and post it as one of our podcasts. So this will be episode 32 of the Marketing Misfits podcast. Um, I won't be doing it service if I didn't open it up first, but, but go on to Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts, wherever you, you get podcasts. Uh, and we would love for you to, to kind of join the Mark Misses family and, and be listening to us. This is a topic that we talk about constantly. Um, it's myself as well as some other like-minded, all black or Hispanic individuals at a lot of other dope companies. Um, and we're, we're talking about kind of this lens of marketing, um, talking about the, the things that we're seeing within the industry but through a very cultural lens um, and, and sometimes good and sometimes bad. Uh, but cool. So with that, we'll, we'll go into the first slide. These slides are really intended um, to kind of serve as just a foundation of areas that we can talk within this conversation. Um, I intentionally told Jeff and Stu I did not share these slides with them because I wanted them to to bring in their authentic um, and real time kind of perspectives on things. And, and uh, the, the key thing that I think we should all realize is that no person, one person, can talk on behalf of an entire race, right? So this is some of the pieces that are my perspective and some of our approaches, but that doesn't necessarily mean it is, it is all encompassing. And we'll talk about a little bit of those pieces as well after. Um, so what I lead is an organization called a Diversity Marketing Team um, at J&J. And what we did was a few years ago, about, about a decade ago, actually, um, we started this organization with a focus on recruiting diverse talent. And this really is kind of rooted in representation within our companies and, and how we make sure we're creating that diverse workforce. a few years that we also need to focus on kind of retaining that talent as well. Um, and so we built out this retention pillar that was really focused in on how do you retain that talent? Um, and I think that's when you start to get into the, the, the I within DNI and inclusion, how you're where they're creating a community and feel included um, and voices are heard, but then all professional resources in order to be successful in those organization. And that's what we focused in on that pillar. 
Um, and then the last one, shaping. Uh, this is something we actually uh, just built um, or added on to, to our, our pillars over this, this past year um, or about a year ago. Um, and how do we start to actually shape the, the creative that's going out of J&J um, in a very um, diverse and multicultural lens and, and affect our brands across the board? Uh, we can talk more about that in the Q&A, but I wanted to share that structure with you. We can go to the next slide. So this was a, a, an open letter that I kind of uh, sent out. So um, po post um, did the, the recent events with, with George Floyd's death in particular, um, I, I think we saw a lot of conversations coming up. And for me as a black man, and I think a lot of us feel this way in the sense of this is not a new situation or a new conversation. What is new and what can become difficult is having that conversation and have to reflect on those feelings, um, particularly in, in areas in and times that you wouldn't have normally done it, like in, in work settings. Um, so I found myself within the first few days of really not understanding how to interact. Um, my first reaction was not let me take care of everybody else. It was like, let me take care of myself and, and figure out how to handle my own emotions. After about a week, um, I finally was able to kind of put some words down. And for all the texts and reach outs that I was getting that, that I either kind of honestly didn't respond to or, or gave short responses to, this is what I kind of gave as open letter of the things that I was thinking about at the time. Um, and I want to share a few of these things because I think they're relevant when, when interacting with, with colleagues. And again, uh, I can't speak on behalf of everybody. So um, I'm sure there, there, there are areas in here that we're missing as well. Uh, but just to call it some of the key things, um, I had to first and I, uh, pull on my own oxygen mask and make sure that I was okay before I started reflecting on everyone else. Um, and that was very difficult for me as a leader. Um, I didn't know, you know, how to take care of everyone else when, when I was, I was struggling myself. Um, and I had to figure out that, and I think this is a, a pretty good growth opportunity for myself. Um, diversity in black America, that, and, I, and I'll kind of run through these, so we can really get into Q and A, but diversity in black America, again, no one person can speak on behalf of everyone. You need to make sure that you're, you're filling your room. Um, and Jeff, Stu and I all went to Morehouse. And I think one big thing that we learned there was the diversity of the black man. Um, and it's important not to be filling your room with one black person, but but multiple. And and we're talking about black today, but I think this is relevant for other groups as well in the future. Um, conversations can be traumatizing. So know that they, when you have a conversation with somebody, they may be carrying that that pain with them for the rest of the day or the rest of the night. And I know I did, um, especially initially when I had to have these conversations. I couldn't have that conversation without knowing the rest of my day was going to be messed up. Um, that was really struggle. That was a really big, big struggle for me. Um, you may not receive a hug back. So it's really difficult for us to, to understand that, you know, we all may not be emotionally there. So you may reach out and you may feel like you're doing everything you can as an ally, but you may not receive that hug back. And I think this is important for us to think about within colleagues, but then also within our marketing materials as well, um, that, that the conversations behind, it just kind of is what it is. And that goes into the being prepared for failure as well. Um, people, I think we want, and we'll talk about this in the marketing materials, we want to have this this clean formula that we talk about within the other marketing aspects of let me do a b and c in order to do this right and be successful and this would give me the roi i'm looking for and it, it's just not true um and the truth is is black people have had this struggle for for centuries at this point and have fallen short every single time um so welcome to the club and, and that's that's an aspect that we have to kind of embrace and be okay with um stay on subject so we're talking about black lives right now is very important. Race is a very difficult topic to, to stay on subject for. Um, it's very easy to parallel to other, um, you know, other underrepresented groups or marginalized groups, um, but we don't do that in other conversations. It's only race because it's so difficult for us. So it's very important to kind of stay on topic when we're talking about. 
Um, we are not the exception. I think there's a, there's an idea that we are the black colleagues that we work with are the exception to the rule. Um, and I, I share my personal experience here um, with my brother's father being killed by a police officer. I have two uncles who um, have died likely because they bled out because the police response time wasn't what it, what it needed it to be. Um, a, a, a uncle who was killed by a white store owner um, who thought he was stealing. And so we all, I, I was arrested right before I started getting Jay. And there, there, that, that list goes on and on and on. And I, I just want to be sure that we all know that it's not just that black person you're seeing on CNN, but that black person that you're sitting across the boardroom from who you think is the exception, um, likely it's not. Um, message over tactics. Honestly, I don't even know what that one was. So I'm going to skip that one for now. Uh, but but what can you do? And um, I think that the key aspects are do something, hold yourself accountable, um, try to change within your community. Um, so what can you actually reach out and what, what can you affect? Don't get caught up into this 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 huge, large um, systemic racism piece and feel like you, you, you get overwhelmed very, very quickly. But what can you um, directly touches or somebody that you're managing is or somebody within your community that you can touch. Um, and don't forget, um, and I think we've talked about that, that media cycle that, that was just referenced um, with my colleagues before. Um, it's very quickly for, it's very easy for us to quickly move on to another subject and how can we stay consistent? Um, and then the last slide, we're just key things that I, I think to think about when we're thinking about marketing material. Um, one, take care of your family first. So if none of this is coming from the heart, then it, it's not going to resonate at all. Take care of your team. Make sure that you're getting the right things in your team so that you can actually approach your marketing material in a genuine, authentic way, as opposed to trying to figure out what people want to hear. Um, two, do something. Um, yeah, it, it may not it may not be the, the best execution, but if your heart is in the right place and you're really trying to do something and you fix your team and your family first, then that doing something, you're, you're not going to care if it falls short because you're doing something. You're consistently trying um, and, and you're not worried about what the ROI is on every single tactic that you're doing. Stay on topic, which we've already talked about. Be prepared for failure. You're going to fall short, but if you care, it doesn't matter. Um, and then be consistent. Um, so don't make this a one-off execution. Um, how can you actually kind of pull this out and really, really drive home change? I ran through those slides because I really wanted us to, to set the foundation for areas that we can explore, but I think it's going to be even a more robust conversation as we um, get into Q&A and dialogue with the entire panel. My goal is to make this conversation as open as possible. So please, no dumb questions. Feel free to, um, to, to let's have topics about anything here. Um, and with that, I'll, I'll hand it back over to, to our host to uh, introduce the panel. Hey guys. Hey. Hello, hello. Can you hear me all right? We can hear you, Ritesh. Awesome. Hey, Mike. Good to see you. Jeff, hello. Good morning, Stuart. How are you all doing? Fantastic. Thank doing you for having Excellent. Me. Great. Excellent. We oh, actually got you. dressed for this. Mike decided not to wear a college shirt. This is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I left New York three months ago thinking it was two weeks. So I've been wearing the same thing right. for three months. Fair it's enough. What's why I'm in Mississippi with a hoodie on? And <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
it's all good. It's all good. You know what? It's, it's funny, right? Because we haven't seen dress shirts uh, for a while now. Yeah. I mean, you know, they, there used to be a rule that said if you if you don't wear something, um, you know, within, let's say, three to six months, it's time to switch it out. Right. I'd be switching it out my entire wardrobe by now, <laughs> um, considering what's actually transpired. Um, well, good morning to all of you. Uh, thank you so much uh, for being part of this very important conversation. Um, my name is Ritesh Shah. I am the Vice President Northeast uh, for Brand Innovators Labs, which is a consulting arm of Brand Innovators. Uh, what we do is essentially offer a concierge service for marketers uh, to try and figure out innovative solutions to marketing challenges. Uh, very happy to be here today and to moderate this conversation. Um, obviously, you know, it's, it's not a conversation that, that you would have every single day in a marketing context, but I'm really, really excited to be talking to all of you. And Mike, thank you for setting the stage. Um, you know, because what we've been seeing in the last month or so is a sort of wave of activity across America um, and, and actually globally. I mean, I'm, I'm based in Toronto and, uh, you know, we've had our own protests, you know, uh, downtown in, in various parts of our own community. We've seen, you know, media outlets. Uh, we've seen a, a tremendous response to, to things like Netflix and what people are watching on Netflix. Suddenly, the demand for programming has completely changed. HBO Max has made programming changes to remove uh, certain content and actually elevate some other content. Right? Even Fortnite. I mean, even from an esports perspective, has actually made a change to the game. Uh, in order to actually remove, you know, police cars, uh, you know, from the game, which is like all of this stuff has been happening. Um, and, and what I wanted to do before we begin the conversation is, is really just to, to say to the audience, um, this is intended to be a very authentic, uh, a very honest conversation. So please send your questions and answers, or well, questions. We will, you know, endeavor to answer your answers at the, at the end of the conversation today. So why don't we kick it off, um, you know, with, with one topic that I know I've been thinking about a lot, um, you know, talking with various brands almost daily, which is, We've been seeing a lot of messaging from brands. Um, we've been seeing some action uh, from a number of them. Um, and I, I kind of wanted to get your thoughts um, on this difference between, you know, putting out a message that says, you know, I'm here to support you. I'm, I'm, I understand you, I hear you. Uh, and then essentially backing that up with some real tangible action. Um, maybe, you know, have, give me some thoughts. What are your views um, on kind of what, what you need to see? What is the difference between that and what an actionable, um, you know, insight looks like, uh, you know, in this particular very important conversation? Stuart, why don't we start with you? And actually, before, why don't you do a quick little intro as well? Just uh, talk a bit about your role and then we'll, we'll bump it over to, to Jeff. Absolutely. Yeah. So my name is Stuart Cornelius. I've been in media for going on 11 years. Um, since I left Morehouse, and um, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, on my currently, I've had several roles. I've been working at Twitter for the last six years, but but my, in my former role, I did agency development. Um, in this current role, I'm actually working with um, entertainment partners. So that can be your Netflix. We've partnered with Strong Black Leads several times on several different executions, um, and then other people, other entities within that space to make sure that that content is seen and there's a conversation that it's had around it because inherently Twitter is perfect for conversations like like the ones that we're having right now. Um, I would say that a lot of brands are giving a lot of lit service right now. I'm a little bit more of a cynic as it pertains to this. Um, I would love. I like. I'm more of an action person. I think when you look at the Black community and all of the struggles they've had, and to still to still see this group of people find joy in everything that they touch. Um, 
and provide magic in every space that they that they inhibit or inhabit rather i think something has to be done in terms of the action and i think a lot of the a lot of the companies are talking about you know we stand in solidarity okay that's cool but but what does that mean um is there a way that we can tie diversity to executive compensation is there a way that companies start to focus on the outside vendors that they use and, and putting a charter in that says, you know, for the 65% of the vendors we use are black owned businesses. How can we give this community that has been disenfranchised for hundreds of years opportunities to catch up, if you will? Um, so those are the small actions that I think about when I think about companies putting their, you know, the money and all of that stuff, that's also fantastic. But I think, what are you doing for your company? Are there black people on your board? Those kinds of things. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Stuart. That that actually uh, is is a is a really good point. And I've I've seen some articles actually written about this where, uh, you know, people basically said that you know the corporate representation, um, especially in the boardroom, uh, is nowhere near what it should be in terms of just straight thirteen to fifteen percent of the population. You know, we're we're not there. Um, thank you, uh, Jeff. You know, please introduce yourself, um, and you'll know, love love your thoughts as well. I think you're on mute. No, now I can. Can you hear me? Yeah, you're good now. All right, great. Um, you can hear me, and just know that I'm battling with my internet provider right now. So if I cut out, I will be back. Um, so uh, my name is Jeff McHenry. I'm a strategy director at Wyden and Kennedy. Um, before that, uh, previously as at Steve Stout's uh, advertising agency, Translation. Um, before that, I was at Ogilvy. Um, so. Primarily the brands that I work on, uh, I work on Jordan brand, I work on uh, Sprite, and I work on Vitamin Water, so two Coca-Cola companies. And I think in response to your question, I think it's it, it's a bit of a combination where, you know, kind of going off Stu's point, it's important to think about not only what the brand is, oh, Yeah, I think your voice was coming still, through okay. Yeah, yeah, your voice yeah. is good, Jeff. <laughs> just your, your face got a little distorted. Yeah, you can you can continue. <laughs> Jeff may not be able to hear us. Okay. Okay, I can, I can oh. hear you now. Okay, perfect. I apologize. Um, so with that being said, I'll keep it short. I think it's it's a mixture of um ensuring that you know a lot of our audiences has, has message fatigue right now and and i would say that one of the most important things to sue's point is making sure that there's action behind that and in addition to what's happening in the industry there's kind of like a like a mad dash to get a ton of people of color in the building which i think is super important but i also think it's important to make sure that those people are set up for success so when we talk about leadership training, we talk about management programs, those things become incredibly important because what we don't want to do in this moment is have a bunch of people infiltrate like a lot of these agencies or a lot of these companies, but then be set up to fail. So I think that it's a two pronged approach to make sure those things are happening. Um, and, and that's from the, you know, from an agency standpoint. Right. Yeah. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, appreciate it. Mike, um, any additional thoughts? Um, you know, on this on this topic again, you have a you have an interesting perspective, right? Because you are one of those brands, um, enough, right? <laughs> um, and 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 at the same time, you know, you are you are sort of at this intersection of what's going on. So, you know, love to hear from you as well. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I, 
I, I err on the side of I'm just not giving out any participation awards right now. I um, uh, I, I I just I think if you genuinely care, then it doesn't matter. It, it, like it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what's successful. Like if you can genuinely fix your company, fix your brand, fix your people who are working on your teams. If you focus on home first, then everything else will flow through. Uh, it, it for me. Stay consistent and, and think happen over the next year. And there are people who have been consistent. I think like Nike has shown up in certain ways. Ben and Jerry's has shown up in certain ways consistently. Um, but I just can't give anybody a participation award for what you've done over the last two, three weeks. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's, it's completely fair. Again, given, uh, you know, where we are and what has led up to this moment, it's like, you know, it's, it's really, it's truly an inflection point, I think, is where we are. It just feels that way to me. Um, you know, and, and so I think all of your thoughts there, you know, make a lot of sense. I think it's, it's a good segue into, into another topic that I, you know, wanted to cover with you guys is so, so kind of two angles to this. And, and Mike, you alluded to this in your, in your letter to your colleagues. Um, you know, one is what can we do from a systemic perspective to get those opportunities to the black community to actually bring them into corporate America um, is sort of, you know, one angle. And then the other piece is when you look at that number, which already is, is very low, but then you look at the percentage of, of those, you know, of, of the black community that are actually in marketing roles or in marketing leadership roles, that's an even smaller number. Um, you know, so would love your thoughts on kind of both of those things. Maybe let's start with Mike, you know, th this time um, you're talking about, you know, more from a systemic perspective, what are you seeing? How can we, you know, how can we get some of those barriers lifted? Um, and, and what can, what can the community do, but what can more importantly, what can the corporations do to bring them in? Yeah. Um, I think, so there's a, there's a lot of problems I'll, I'll refer, reference. I think two that are top of mind for me. One, um, is around the representation piece. And I think that the key issue there is really where we're sourcing talent from. Um, so you're talking to three educated black men who all with Morehouse. Like there's a, a, a school there full of a lot of other educated black men who, who can come in, provide this type of talent for your company. But we don't do that. We go to, um, you know, whatever company, whatever school our CEO graduated from, um, and we go and get more talent that looks like our CEO. Um, and we wonder why we can't find the right diverse talent because we're not looking at the right places. And, the, and diverse talent is there. And so the, I'm not an exception piece. There isn't one Mike, there's one Jeff, there's one Stu. There's thousands and thousands and thousands of people behind us and millions of people behind us who, who look and think just like us um, that, that we're representing. Uh, second, I think there's a piece of inclusion. I'm here to echo. I think Jeff, maybe that's you. There we go. Perfect. Um, and the, the second piece um, is around uh, the inclusion piece, um, which I think is like how we listen to to people. We get diverse talent, and we spend so much time making sure that they know how to present to us, making sure that they have executive presence, make sure that they look a, a certain way as opposed to like listening to what they're saying. Um, so therefore they spend 10 years, 15 years figuring out how to walk and talk like everyone else. And you've ignored them, marginalized their opinion the entire time. And honestly, by the time they, all of us get mature enough in our careers that have a voice, our voice isn't even the one you need to listen to anymore. It's probably the 22 year old black kid that just graduated from college. So if we spend more time learning how to listen in a different way, as opposed to how to train people on how to talk to us, um, I think you would see a substantial um, shift in, in the way of what you think leadership presence is, what, who you think can lead a business, who you think can show up in, in, in a company and kind of influence um, that piece of it. Yeah, and, and great points, Mike. And actually, I read something the other day where one of the suggestions made was 
the way most corporations do their hiring is that they have this referral thing, right? Like we ask our employees and, and we say, hey, you know, we trust your judgment because you are contributors to our company. We'd love for you to refer your friends, colleagues, et cetera, for maybe other roles in previous lives. Well, guess what happens? If you're already, you know, underrepresented, those people are going to find lookalikes uh, you know, and their referrals aren't going necessarily, you know, to people, you know, that that are equally talented, but are just not known to them. And so the problem almost propagates itself. Right. So, Stuart, I see you nodding. I'd love your thoughts on this as well. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm really passionate about this. So I, I thank you for, for touching on this. Mike, Mike and Jeff both know I've talked about this at, at nausea and probably sick of me talking about it. But I think to Mike's point, sourcing is a very big issue. Um, and it's not just HBCUs, it's not just your Morehouse, your Spellmans, your Howards. I mean, there are really intelligent black people all over the world. But especially here at home in the United States, I think HR departments just have to do a better job. And it isn't that hard. If you look at who is graduating at the alarming rate right now, it's black women. But when I look at these companies, you don't see them in leadership positions. And so it's one thing to have sourcing. That's one part of the issue. The other portion of it is, what's your panel look like? Is it a diverse panel of, of people? You know, do they confuse passion with anger? You know, there's certain aspects of how you read a person that your bias kind of creeps into it. And I think that that's usually what inhibits um, black people from, from getting those jobs initially. Um, so then you have sourcing, then you have the interview process, which is often very flawed. And then when you do hire those people, the promotion cycle always looks weird, right? There's always something that's deficient that a, a black person has to either go to one company and jump from that company to another company to move up the ladder, which one is exhausting because then you have to go learn a new company culture and excel there, build up that social capital, which is it's annoying. It's a pain. You know, why can't you see my talent here at, at your company and want to home grow me into and groom me into a, le a senior leader at your company? Um, and then the other aspect of that is when you hire new black people that don't see black people in leadership positions, their mind automatically is, oh, I'm going to be here for a short amount of time before I have to go and find what the next opportunity is. So those are three very simple off the top of my head. I'm not even trying here um, that I can speak to there on that. So I think that there's a lot of work to be done and th th they're very simple measures. It's just, do you, are you ready to put in the time to actually fix these systems. Yeah, I mean, if that was top of your head, I'd love to see what an in-depth conversation looks like, Stuart. How, how much time do you have? Yeah, <laughs> actually, I can answer that question. We have four and a half minutes before we start Q and A. So, Jeff, I mean, obviously, you know, a lot, a lot of really cool thoughts there from Stuart, and very, you know, very insightful. You know, what, what additional uh, one or two things you want to say, and then we'll kind of hit on. We'll start with you. Maybe you want to jump into this as well. Uh, so from a marketing perspective, right, talk about these sort of systemic issues and getting somebody in the doors, uh, but then mm -hmm. how to encourage sort of marketing participation, because it's not, again, it's not a career that is top of mind, again, because they don't see themselves, you know, they don't see people in that space that, that they can look up to. So, you know, maybe you, you can kind of add that and we'll, we'll circle back up to uh, Stuart and Mike. Yeah, absolutely. The The point I wanted to hit on that that Stu was mentioning, too, is about grooming talent. So it's a bit of a combination between what Mike and Stu said. So I think in terms of actually finding and sourcing talent, something I'm super passionate about is creative talent, right? So like from an agency standpoint, it blows my mind recruit creative talent. If you look on the Internet, you can see all the creative talent that you're looking for. 
So I think we just have to kind of open the open the lens of what creative talent looks like. And in addition to that, we have to groom those people once they get into the into the building. We have to look at potential in different ways. I think a lot of times we're looking at what ad school people went to, what their educational background is. But there could be a 23 year old photographer that could be the best art director you've ever seen. And I think that's the the shift that the industry needs to make, especially from a creative agency standpoint, which is getting people who ha don't have traditional ad backgrounds into the door and then grooming them to become successful. That's a that's a very huge point that I, I really want to dovetail off of, because that's that's how we change the industry. Right. Because you can bring people in that have skill sets from other portions of, the, of in different industries. But the skill set's still the same. It's how it's the utility. How do you utilize that skill set? And that's very, very important. There are kids out there building their own websites, their own companies that are looking for corporate jobs. They, they did this in their dorm room. These are the, the next Steve Jobs, the next, you know, Rob Johnson creating uh, BET. Like these are all these, these are all a community of people that have the power to change the world. And you are selling yourself short by overlooking them and not grooming them and not giving them resources to succeed. And those are the voices we need to hear. You know, they have the perspective that we're looking for. So it's incredibly important. Great. Mike, any any final thoughts? Um, I, on that I'm not going to take too much time. Yeah, I'm not going to take too much time. But like when we talk about grooming, I just want to think about like the grooming of how do you how do you put their town on the pedestal and let it infuse your your brand or your business in a, in a larger way not just how do you make them talk to you in a, in a, in a certain way. Um, and when we think about grooming is it becomes so focused on how to tie a tie and not enough on like, how do you change our organization? Um, and we can have book conversations, we can walk and chew gum, but, but you need to, we need to, as an organization, be able to open up our ears in different ways. Yeah. Uh, no, thank you. Uh, all of those things, and and I, you know, I appreciate uh, the various angles that that all of you have brought uh, to the conversation. And and unfortunately, we're out of time in terms of you know just our ability to have this very short conversation. But uh, it's a starter, right? And and I think you know we at Brand Innovators um, are really looking to actually get this conversation in the limelight to actually have more of these conversations. I thank all of you. Uh, for being here and, and giving us your unvarnished opinion, uh, which is exactly what I expected when I met you guys. Uh, so, so that's great. A, a couple of quick uh, questions that are coming in, which I which I'd love to to you know raise to all of you, and then you can you know jump in. Um, one interesting uh, question that has come in is how can you bring the protests that we're seeing on the streets to the boardroom? Um, you know, especially where you know large companies are predominantly white, um, and and let's for a second, give them the benefit of doubt that, that, you know, the interest is genuine. They want to address this issue, um, you know, so it's not just a lip service. They want to do it. So what are some ways, maybe one or two things, if you guys want to want to weigh in on that, to how do you bring the impact of the protests that are on the street into the boardroom? I have no problem jumping into this. This is a lot of the work that I've been doing over the last weeks, but I, I won't take the good ones. I'll take the ones that probably hide in plain sight. How about that? Um, Looking at when you say you care, they genuinely care. There are small things that you can do. And I, and we have this saying at Twitter where we talk about how words matter, obviously, because Twitter tweets were, were very word heavy, right? Um, what kind of vernacular are we using to describe certain small things, right? In the engineering side, they use master and slaves as opposed to maybe primary and secondary. Um, we use terms like blacklist and whitelist. 
you know, as opposed to something else, right? You know, so so how do we break down the microaggressions, the things that have been built just because not enough of us have been in the room to be like, yeah, I don't know if you know this, but that's really messed up. That's not going to work for me. Um, and that's something we probably never even thought about. Ad, ad agencies and agencies send blacklists all the time, never really thinking about what that means. That is uh, absolutely 100% true. Um, and you know what? I have used those words, as I'm sure a lot of people in the audience have, without understanding that piece. And I, this is the point, right? The point is, you know, need to be aware and open uh, to, to the full context. Uh, so, so thank you for that. Um, I want to jump into a couple more questions, if you don't mind. This one's really interesting. Mike, you wanted, you wanted a, uh, you know, no, no softballs lobbed at you. So here, here's one. How do you engage in civil discourse with those that do not agree with your perspective? And this is the question is coming, um, you know, maybe add a political nuance to this. So you've got this sort of, you know, uh, liberal versus a conservative opinion and, and someone who doesn't quite, you know, share that perspective. How do you, what is a good way to have this conversation and to at least not bring them on side, but to actually, you know, have them understand what the situation is and what can be done? Who wants to jump on that one? Nice and easy one. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take a stab and uh, I'll reiterate this many times, but I'll say it again, I can't speak, uh, um, this is my perspective, so I can't speak on all black people. Uh, for, for me, honestly, I don't even, uh, so I grew up in Jackson, Mississippi, which is where, where I am right now, and here, to be honest with you, like, I know who likes me, who doesn't like me. People wear racism on their sleeve, if they're, if they're racist, you know, um, it's very evident by the truck that, they, that, that, that they're going to pull up in that has Confederate flags all over it and, and the way that they interact with you and, and being in places that, that you're not very welcome. Um, I, people talk about today being an awakening, um, and I've heard that term before. I don't know if I agree with it or not, but, it, but, it, but it's cool. Let's go with it for now. Um, I don't think it's an awakening for those people. I think it's an awakening for all of the, honestly, like liberal, and I'll say non-Black, uh, I don't think it's just white, but like liberal non-Black people who have pretended like racism was an issue somewhere else um, and ignored all the microaggressions that that Stu just just referenced or, you know, I, I'm a biracial man. I've been in many situations where um, I would say probably Jeff and, and Stu wouldn't wouldn't be in because because they're darker than I am. And I've heard, you know, white white friends use the N word around me or but I, I'm using the friend word friends liberally here, but, but white people use the, the, the N word around me and, and thinking like there's not a black person here um, and, and then have to, to check them on that type of situation. But these are very much people who are upset that Trump is elected and very liberal and believe in equal rights and, and across all these different things. And honestly, I think the awakening is stop um, looking elsewhere for solutions or for people to fix themselves. But this, this, and that's why I wouldn't spend my energy there. And that's just me personally, but focus more on all, all of these people that, that can make a change who um, have it up here and know right and wrong, but, but haven't been able to really ingrain it here in their heart and, and how we're showing up every single day. Um, but I do, in that same voice, I do believe it is everybody's responsibility to check your you know, racist uncle at, uh, at Thanksgiving dinner. Um, don't, don't seek out the black colleague at work who has, um, like-minded thoughts as you, when you're upset about something, um, uh, talk to, to your friends that, that you, you've let slide over there. I have no faith in being able to change them, to be honest. Um, and I, but I do have faith in being able to kind of, uh, change that middle ground, um, where I think we have fallen behind. Yeah. Thank you. That, 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 I mean, 
it's it's always it's it's always uh, you know the question we ask ourselves, right? Like, how much effort do you want to spend um, in trying to? What's the word I'm looking for? Trying to kind of get somebody to understand when they're coming to the conversation with their minds made up um, and they already know you're wrong, and they're looking to defend, uh, you know, immediately. So, so I completely appreciate what you're saying. I think what is happening though, and again, you know, as an outsider, and I say outsider because a, I'm in Canada. Um, and, and, and be because I'm not part of the community immediately. Um, but just looking at it from that perspective, what I am seeing is that there is definitely a wave of change. This feels different to me. Uh, now, you know, you guys probably from your perspective are like, yeah, we've seen this movie before, right? Um, and so I, I think, I think it, it's now going to, you know, need to continue this conversation. And I think these are the types of, of uh, you know, dialogues that we need to have. So as we wrap up here, um, one final thing, uh, maybe you guys can share. So if there was one takeaway, you know, we have a, we have an international audience here. Um, you know, we have, we have brands, we have agencies, uh, we have people listening in, you know, from across the world. Um, and while this is a corporate America issue right now, the elements and the root issues actually manifest itself in a number of different ways in all kinds of communities globally. Um, so I guess the question for you, one, one final thought, if, if, if you guys could leave us with that is what's the one thing that you want to take away, or would you like the audience to take away um, when it comes to this particular movement um, and, and how, you know, it would make an impact from their perspective? I, I would, I would just add, we have to create the pathway to black equity. Like, I think that's the most important thing right now. And if you look at sort of the historical nature of how this country was built, um, you look at the fact that this country was literally built on the backs of black labor and anything you love culturally, creatively comes from black people. We have to create the environment to where black people have a path to equity. And so whether that's through the lens of their company, whether it's through the lens of actions that you're going to take on behalf of your company or agency, those are the things that we have to fix in this country. And we can do it from the seats that we sit in in the companies that we work for. So black people got to have equity. Like we got to create the pathway for that. That's super important. Agreed. Stuart. I'm literally just going to steal Jeff's because I think it was, it was, it was so on point. <laughs> uh, I mean, because we, we're spending so much time right now and we're just talking about representation. We haven't even gotten to like equal pay and equal uh, equal visibility and all those you things. You stole like, mine, the... Mike. <laughs> Come on. We're all saying the same thing. So at least we, are. we agree with each other. I, um, yeah, I, 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 equity, the pathway to equity. Yeah, I, I totally agree with it. Excellent. Well, I'm going to keep mine very short and sweet. Yeah, hire, yeah. hire black people, pay black people, promote black people, honor black people. Wow. Okay. Well said. And you know what? Uh, I could not have wrapped that better than that. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, Mike, thank you for, uh, for, for, you know, for this particular topic. Uh, you know, continue success with the Marketing Misfits uh, podcast. I listened to it. I, I really enjoyed the last two, especially the one on, on The Last Dance. I think that was fantastic. Um, and uh, Jeff, thank you so much for being here today. And, and Stu, uh, you know, some great thoughts and, and uh, would love to have a beverage one day and, and talk live at some point when I'm in, uh, in New York the next time around. Thank you all for joining us today. And thank you to the audience for some excellent questions. Scott, over to you. All right. Thanks, Ritesh. And thanks, Mike, Stu, and Jeff uh, for, uh, I, I mean, what a tremendous discussion. Uh, it, it feels like you said it all, but at the same time, it feels like we could keep talking for uh, another hour. 
or two. Uh, what a great advertisement for people to subscribe to your podcast to hear more insightful conversations like this. Uh, I think these are absolutely necessary things that we need to be talking about, and it really isn't that hard when it comes down to it. It's whether brands, executives, allies among us have the will to make this happen, and I think we can. Uh, you know, we're just at such a critical point right now where all of this stuff has bubbled up like never before, and it's in our face, and it's up to us now to either run with the ball or lamely drop it once again, which I hope we're not going to do. So thanks very much, guys. All right, getting over to our next session. And just a reminder, if you are joining us today, the hashtag is BI Livecast. And if you have other colleagues, friends,